0: We Have a good Thanksgiving. Everybody full. I got my sweet potatoes. Um, didn't have the marshmallows on top. I'm a little bitter this morning, so pray for me. Um, but we had a great Thanksgiving. I pray that yours was wonderful too. Um, I'm looking forward to these series of messages that we'll be diving into. Um, a couple of things I love about Christmas is um, I love Christmas cookies. All of you know that by now especially Italian Christmas cookies are especially my favorite, especially the ones, the fig ones. Mm, mm, mm. If you know how to make those, I'm coming after you. Okay. Those are good. Um, And I love how many of you like just the Christmas lights. You like driving around and looking at the Christmas lights Thank you for those, that do, those of you that do that, because I know that's a lot of work. You're putting all the lights around your house. The only suggestion I would say is if you could take them down before Easter, that would be great, <laughs> uh, as much as we love that. Um, but, but I love, I love this uh, Christmas season, and I know, I know sometimes the, the Christmas season it can be a difficult time uh, for many. Um, and that's why I want to talk about the light of Christ coming into a dark world, because everything that really surrounded Christ, um, the birth of Christ, I know we can kind of get, a, a, you know, this, uh, you know, maybe a sentimental, sanitized view of Christmas this time of the year and all the perfect Christmas cards and everything like that. But really, if we really understand the Christmas story about the Savior of the world coming to us, it really was very dark. It really everything that surrounded uh, the birth of Christ wasn't perfect. And that's, that's what I like about the Christmas story is because um, what God does is he comes into a world that was very dark, that was very dysfunctional. And what God does is he brings the light of Christ into our dark world to show us a better way. And, and when we realize that, there's a hope that can come to us even in the midst of our, our difficult times. And I know Um, Christmas for many can bring back maybe hurtful memories, maybe uh, someone that's not with us at this point. Um, Maybe the the base of our happiness um, about Christmas is really about the things that surround Christmas, maybe not the true story of, of Christmas. And so when all the festivities are over, there's there's that empty feeling, and and that's why so many experience the post Christmas blues. You know when all the the fruitcake is eaten. Um, if you like fruitcake, God bless you. Um, I use it as paperweights, but if you like fruitcake, um, you know when that that big credit card bill comes in. Um, you know it, it 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 it's over, and then we get this post Christmas blue. But I, blues. But I want to tell you that that. Christmas doesn't have to be about that. That the truth about Christmas is God giving us hope, even in the midst of uncertainty. And, and God doesn't want us to put our hope in some sentimental feelings about Christmas, that we put our hope in the gifts and everything else that surrounds it, that can so easily fade. And none of those things are wrong. I mean, celebrating and giving gifts are, are, and parties, they're, they're all fine. Um, but I think we can we can lose the meaning of, of what... God truly intends for us to hear because the Christmas message gives us hope when we don't see a lot of hope in our world. And so this is what I really want to dive into. And I want to look at, I want to look at the gospel of Luke because um, the gospel of Luke has some very interesting insights that surround um, the birth of Christ. And so what I want to do today, I, I want to talk about Um, The forerunner to Christ, John the Baptist, and and the things that surrounded that story that eventually will lead to um, the birth of Christ. And Luke brings this out for us, and he brings out the story of John the Baptist's parents and all the things that surrounded that story that led to um, the birth of Christ, which actually started hundreds of years before that through prophecies. Of prophets that that gave hope to a world at that time uh, that was very dead and lost and maybe hardened to God, and so God brings this hope hundreds of years earlier that a savior will come and 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 rescue us and uh, deliver us and so that 's kind of the story around. Uh, Zachariah and Elizabeth, John the Baptist's parents. And that's what I really want to dig into today. Um, Luke, what's interesting about Luke, he, he was a physician and he was a very good friend of the apostle Paul and served Paul and really was with Paul to the end. He's the only writer of the Bible who was a Gentile, who was a non-Jew. And he also was the author of the book of Acts. And so What we see in the first chapter of Luke is he gives us the background that leads up to the birth of Christ. And this is very, very important for us to understand. Uh, So let me give you the story behind the birth of Christ. And let's see what... Um, Luke the physician says, in Luke chapter one verses five through fourteen, and um, as we read this passage we 're going to dive into this because there is so much more that 's going on behind the story that I want to bring out for you today. so if you 've got your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter one or look up at the screens at this time let 's read uh, verses five through fourteen, and here Luke describes for us the events that are leading up. To the birth of Christ, but he's talking about Elizabeth and Zechariah, the the parents of John the Baptist. And so Luke says When Herod was king of of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah, and he was a member of the priestly order of Abijah. And his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all the Lord's commands and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. And as was custom of the priest, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. And while the incense were being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing uh, to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, do not be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son and you are to name him John and you will have great joy and gladness. Many will rejoice at his birth. Amen to God's word. Amen. So what makes this passage so incredible? Let me give you some background here because there's a whole lot that's going on in these verses. So what we see is Zechariah was a priest and it was actually his turn to serve in the temple. Now, Zechariah and his wife, Elizabeth, at this time had no children and were beyond the age of childbearing. So this would have been a miracle. So basically what their lives were like were this. They they both were from a small town and they basically lived very simple lives. Year after year, Zechariah faithfully served as a priest of the Lord. He just faithfully served. This is, this is what he did. And he just faithfully served the Lord. Um, and, and here is the, the, the interesting thing about Um, Zechariah serving and these priests serving in the temple is that the last time Israel heard from a prophet was 400 years earlier from the prophet Malachi or for my Italian friends, Malachi. So this is is the last time that they've heard from a prophet. So you, you have a span of 400 years. And at this point, there are some who are faithful and who want to hear from the Lord. So you've got Zechariah, he's in the temple, he's serving the Lord, and you've got people outside the temple just praying because they want to hear from God. And so you have this faithful core of people who want to hear from the Lord. And you think after 400 years, people would have just given up or or God's not speaking to us. And this is what makes this chapter of Luke so amazing. This is the first time someone hears from the Lord in 400 years. And you can understand why Zechariah was filled with fear when the angel showed up. Because he's just going about his duties. He's thinking, this is just another day and uh, nothing's happened. And all of a sudden, he's praying and then he hears from the Lord. And you think Zechariah would have been, oh, finally, you, you, you heard me. He's praying. He wants to hear from the Lord. He's been praying for a child. And, you think, and all of a sudden, he's shocked as well. And so God speaks to him. And this is the first time that someone hears from the Lord in 400 years. And I want, you, I want to show you what was spoken to Malachi 400 years before this, before the birth of Christ. Listen to what Malachi says in Malachi 3.1. Malachi says this. This is the word of the Lord. And this is the hope. This is the word that was given to Zechariah. Listen. He says, look, I'm sending my messenger And he will prepare the way before me who prepared the way of the Lord was John the Baptist. So Malachi is speaking about John the Baptist, who is going to prepare the way of the Lord. He says, and listen to this, then the Lord you are seeking will suddenly come to his temple. This very prophecy is being fulfilled in Zechariah's eyes. The messenger of the covenant whom you look for so eagerly is surely coming, says the Lord of heavenly armies. So who is the messenger that Malachi is talking about? Well, he's talking about John the Baptist because he would be the forerunner to Jesus and he would actually prepare the way for Jesus to come, the savior of the world. And so who is the father of John the Baptist? We see this, uh, the father and, and mother of Zechariah and Elizabeth. So the angel of the Lord spoke to Zechariah that the prophecy told to Malachi would be fulfilled through him and his wife, Elizabeth. Now, let's put a pin here. Let's stop. So think about it for a moment. Zechariah thinking, wait a minute. We're, we don't have any kids and we are way past childbearing age. This is going to have to be a miracle. Hear God speaks his word to an impossible situation. This is exactly how God works in our lives. There are going to be times in your life where you just think something is impossible. How is this going to work out? And God says, listen, you just hold on to my word. These are the situations that I love to work in. I love to work in impossible situations. Why? Because it makes us depend on him and not ourselves. It makes us rely on him. So it's not done by our strength or by our power, but it's completely done by the Lord so that the glory is all given to God and not ourselves. And this is exactly what God is doing in this situation. And so the angel of the Lord spoke to Zechariah that the prophecy told in Malachi would be fulfilled through him and his wife, Elizabeth. Now, what's interesting about the name of Zechariah, the name Zechariah means literally the Lord remembers. The Lord remembers. God did not forget about Zechariah. Day after day, year after year, he would pray. And he would faithfully serve the Lord. And I'm sure there was times where he just felt like giving up. There were times I'm sure he felt like he lost his faith. But he faithfully, Zachariah and Elizabeth, faithfully served the Lord. And just waited for him to speak. And God shows up. Zechariah, the Lord remembers. The Lord did not forget about Zachariah. So Zachariah and Elizabeth are faithfully serving God through this dark time of not hearing from him. And here's the thing I want you to see. They didn't give up. Zachariah and Elizabeth didn't have it easy. The scriptures tell us that she was barren in this old age, yet they didn't stop serving God. And here's here's what I love about this, is that they weren't bitter, they were faithful. They, They didn't allow what they were going through And maybe unanswered prayer at that point to allow them to become bitter. And I think this is this is what can happen in our lives. When we don't see God working on our our timetable or our, our schedule, it's easy for us to either get mad at God or get bitter with God. And I want you to realize that God works through all situations. And and sometimes he works in the waiting. I believe most of the time he does his greatest work in the waiting. And he wants us to rely on him and to depend on him. See, the scriptures tell us that Zechariah was able to go into the temple because his number was picked. And this was interesting about Zechariah serving as a priest. Um, For him to go, here's a little background to this. For him to go into the temple was like winning the Super Bowl. It, 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 It doesn't happen all the time. This would be your only chance as a priest to go into the temple and to serve the Lord. And his his lot was picked. It was like winning the Super Bowl. Zechariah. the reason why this was such an anomaly. Is Zachariah was one of 18,000 priests. One of 18,000 priests. And what they did was... Um, And this comes from the book of Chronicles, and and, and the King David did this. But what they did is, because they had so many priests, what they did is they subdivided the 18,000 priests into 24 divisions, 750 men each. And they would each go to Jerusalem two times a year to minister in the temple, two weeks a year. And so here you have Zechariah, one of these 18,000 priests. He would go year after year after year and never got picked. The lot would never fall on him. He would just go, he would do his things, but he never got picked to actually go into the temple until this time. And so what we see in Zechariah, he really, you know, you, when you think of, about a priest, you think, oh yeah, it must have been really special. Not really. He was one of 18,000. That was his family line. You're supposed to be a priest and you're one of 18,000. It really was no big deal. Zechariah was really a nobody, just a hardworking man and, and a priest of one of 18,000. Zachariah was just a small-town priest living in a lonely world. And he took the midnight train to George. I don't know. So, you know, he, basically that's what it was. So it was nothing, when you think of priests, you think, oh, it must have been something real special. It wasn't. It was really no big, no big deal. And so here, here's the thing about Zachariah. Year after year, he, he goes to the temple and he never gets picked. It, it's, like, it's like, remember gym class? I was never good at basketball and every time we had the basketball unit come up I was always the last one to get picked for basketball. It was the worst feeling in the world. And and so Zachariah would go all the time and and just never get picked. But don't forget the don't forget the meaning of Zachariah's name. The Lord remembers. The Lord remembers. God didn't forget his promise that he would rescue us. And so what Zachariah does, he goes into the temple to do it goes to the temple to do his duty and he gets picked and he goes in and suddenly an angel appears. So remember zechariah is older. He could have had a heart attack. I mean, you know, he's fearful. Um, and so God finally shows up. He, he wasn't expecting it. He was just doing his duty. He was being faithful, but he really wasn't expecting it. See, when you're in a dark place, it's easy to forget that God is with us. When you're in a dark place, it's easy to forget that God is with us. Have you ever done that? You just gone through the motions, you go, I'm going to pray. And yeah, God, I'm believing for this. And you know, but, but really, because we're in a dark place, we're not really expecting it. And, and we can tend to forget that God is even with us in that time of darkness or that time of uncertainty. And, and, and everything that surrounded the birth of John And both Jesus was dark. there There was sin, there was evil, there was dysfunction, there was all this stuff going on around them. People really weren't serving God. Many were just serving religion, but they really weren't serving God. They really didn't have a heart for God. And here God says, I'm going to come in the midst of that darkness and that uncertainty, and I'm going to bring my light into this dark world to show you the way. I mean, have you ever felt this way that what you believe about God doesn't match what you're experiencing in your life? Have you, have, you ever, <laughs> have you ever felt that way? You're like, I believe God and I know he's a God of miracles and I know he's creator and he's done all these things and he saved me and he's delivered me. But then you're going through this thing in your life and it doesn't really match what you're experiencing in your life. And you may say, God, if, if you're Such a good God, and you've done all these things. Why am I experiencing these things in my life? Why am I going through this heartache in in my life? Um, Why didn't things work out this way? Why is this happening? Why don't I hear from you, God? Um, I I don't feel that my prayers are being answered. Can Can you imagine year after year after year, they're going to the temple, and no one's hearing from God. 400 years, and no one's hearing. 400 years is a long time. They didn't hear from God. Why didn't this work out? I I want you to know there was a prophet in the old Testament. His name was Habakkuk. And what I love about Habakkuk is he's very raw before the Lord. And Habakkuk prophesied during a very dark time in Israel's history where there was a falling away, they needed to repent, they needed to come back from God. And Habakkuk's just frustrated because he sees all this stuff around them and he sees people that aren't serving God and he's like, you know, what's going on? And and Habakkuk starts his book in Habakkuk chapter 1. And and it's what's interesting, there's bookends to Habakkuk. You see Habakkuk being really raw before God and what he sees and we're going to see... Uh, what his attitude is about God at the end of his book, but this is what Habakkuk says in chapter one. So this is the message that the prophet Habakkuk received in a vision. He says, "How long, O Lord, must I call for help? You ever felt that way? Relate Habakkuk. Can you relate to Habakkuk? But you do not listen. Violence is everywhere. I cry, but you do not come to save. Must I forever see?" these evil deeds. Why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence and I'm surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. Was Habakkuk living in 2000 or 2019? I mean, I mean, this is so raw and so real and as you read this, you're like, yeah, that's exactly what we see in our world today. We see everybody arguing and fighting and backbiting and we see all this evil. And so Habakkuk is just raw before the Lord. He's honest with his feelings. He sees all this darkness around him. He, he, he doesn't feel like God is acting. God, why don't you do something? And if we're honest with ourselves, we've all gone through that same thing at times. And maybe you're going through that right now. Habakkuk goes back and forth with this dialogue with God. And have you ever had that kind of conversation with God that went this way? It, it wasn't a prayer like this. It wasn't a prayer of uh, not my will be done, but your will be done. It wasn't that type of prayer, but it was more of an advice prayer to God. Have you ever given those prayers to God? Okay, let's just be honest with ourselves, okay? You give them that little advice prayer where you said, God, um, could you do it this way? And could you do it in this amount of time? Right? We, it's not really a prayer of, God, I'm just giving you control and let your will be done. And God, what are you trying to do uh, in me during this time as I wait for you? It becomes more about, hey, God, could you hurry it up? You know, um, I'm waiting. Um, what, when is this going to happen? See, Habakkuk in his dialogue with God is more about how God should run the world. That's kind of his dialogue in the beginning. And, 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 and we can do the same thing. Do it now, God. Strike them down now, God. Bring judgment now, especially for those who don't know how to drive, right? God, bring your judgment. And, and it's funny because when we get that way, we start speaking in King James language, right? You know, like we say things like, Holy Father, would thou smite my enemies? We start using words like smite and thou and killeth, right? We start using words like that. We're just, we're frustrated. And, 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 and here's what's interesting about the life of Habakkuk. Habakkuk, um, wrestled with God. He he actually wrestled with God over what he saw around him. And and it's okay to struggle. It's okay that in your darkness or or you don't see things um, going as quickly as, as you would like. It's okay to wrestle with God in these issues and to be real with God and to pour out your feelings to God. In fact, the name Habakkuk means to embrace and so what Habakkuk is doing, he's embracing God. He's saying, God, I don't get this. I'm, I'm frustrated. And, and I, I want you to move. And I see all this stuff. And, and where are you? So, so he's embracing God. And, and what I want you to see in your life today, if you're going through that time in your life where you're just not seeing things move quickly enough for you, I would tell you to embrace God. Just to allow God to know your feelings, to know your struggles, and to embrace him see elizabeth and Zechariah embraced god even though it was dark even though life didn't make sense to them they still were serving god habakkuk still served god even though life didn't make sense at times see that that's when god shows up and that's when god speaks his word to you And I think what can happen in our lives, we go down empty. We go down a road that leads nowhere. We we try to find answers for life over here or over there, and God says the only answer you're going to find is in me. And you've got to hold on to me, even though life doesn't make sense. But I'm going to give you a word, and I and I think for some of us here, um, there's a famine in your spiritual life. There, there's a famine. Of God's word in your life. What, what happens is. When we get frustrated. We, we tend to lose our faithfulness to God. To cling to him and continue to serve him. What, what, even though Elizabeth and Zechariah. Didn't hear from the Lord right off the bat. And they kept serving. They kept serving. God was faithful to speak to them. And I think what can happen in our lives. When we don't hear from the Lord. Or, or we feel empty. We we just we, we probably stop doing our devotions. Maybe, maybe you stop. Maybe we stop going to church. Maybe we just stop doing the things that we should be doing so that the Lord can speak to us. And it's amazing how God shows up in certain ways. Maybe it's a worship song you're listening to. Maybe it's something you hear in God's word. Maybe it's something that you read in your devotions. And all of a sudden, God speaks to you in your individual situations. And it's like you just heard from the Lord. Maybe it's somebody else that is praying for you or sends you an encouraging word that just says, I'm praying for you, and you hear from the Lord, and God encourages you. And you're like, man, that was the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for not giving up on me, because he doesn't. And you hear from the Lord. See, Zechariah and Elizabeth were faithful. Habakkuk was still faithful. He still embraced God, even though he saw all the calamity around him. See, the angel brings hope to Zechariah, that they would have a son, and that God would fulfill his word through them, and that their son would actually prepare the way for Jesus. Now, here's the interesting thing about Habakkuk at the, the, in the end of his book, in Habakkuk chapter 3. Um, these are the last words of Habakkuk, and he learns to trust God and not his circumstances. Listen to what he says. This is pretty incredible verse. Pretty incredible verses here at the end of Habakkuk. Listen to what he says Habakkuk says Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vine, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen, And no cattle in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. Not not the fig trees. Not the grapes on the vine. Not not the olive crop. The Lord. The sovereign Lord is my strength. And what does he do? What does the sovereign Lord do? Is, Is Habakkuk rejoicing because the fig trees have figs and they can make fig cookies for Christmas, right? Is that, is that what he's rejoicing about? Or that you can have olive oil? Listen to what he says. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like feet of a deer. And he enables me to tread on the heights. What Habakkuk discovered is, even though all this other stuff is is going on, even though this stuff may not be working out, it's the sovereign Lord that gives me my joy. And what God does for Zechariah and Elizabeth, he gives them a joy by fulfilling that prophecy through Malachi by saying, I've chosen you. I've chosen you. I'm going to do this great thing through you, but you've got to trust me through this, even though, everything, even though it looks impossible. I'm going to do this great thing through you, through this no-name priest, one of 18,000, a barren wife, a couple that's, that's old in their age, that you think they could never bear children. He says, I'm going to do this work through you and watch what I do through weakness. And so God does this amazing work through Elizabeth and Zechariah, fulfilling his prophecy, fulfilling his word. And I think what happens in our lives, we think, well, we get down on ourselves and you say, well, God, how can you use me? You know, my life is so messed up and I've done so many wrong things. How can you use me? How can you use me? And God says, just give me your life. Give your life to me. Let me use you. Let me forgive you. Let me heal you. And then God does his work through us, through impossible situations. And you might be here right now, and and, and there might be the silence of God in your life, and you might be in a dark place, but that doesn't mean that God doesn't want to speak to you right where you are. God shows up in these dark places. Here here are the the two things before we take community that I, I want you to go home with today. Here are the two things. I want you to realize Zachariah's name means this. The Lord has remembered. The Lord remembers. Don't forget that God has not forgotten your name. You, you may not feel that right now, but He knows who you are and He knows what you're going through. He hasn't forgotten you. Don't give up. Continue to be faithful, serving the Lord. God will bring His word to you. He's faithful, He will speak. To your life. And the second thing is Habakkuk embrace God. Embrace God. Embrace God in your hardships and what you're going through. Just embrace Him. Be raw with God. Say, God, I don't understand this. I don't know why I'm going through this, but I'm just going to embrace you. I'm going to be faithful. Be raw with God. And and just as God revealed this to Habakkuk, even in his difficult time, he knew that the sovereign God would bring joy to him, not joy in his circumstances or even a change in his circumstances, but God brought him a joy within his own heart, knowing that God is sovereign and in control, and that's all he needed. At the end of the day, that's all we need. We just need Jesus. That's what we need. Nothing else in this world is going to satisfy except Jesus. And so just maybe, just maybe, just between you and I this morning, maybe the reason for your waiting is God wants you to experience that. He wants you to experience that he is all you need. And I know my heart, are we hard-headed sometimes? It's hard for us to get that. (laughs) He says, listen, I'm all you need. Christ's birth is a reminder to us that God has not forgotten about us. It's a constant reminder that God said, I'm going to bring my Savior into a dark world. And I'm going to come right into your place of darkness the gospel would not be great. The message of Christ would not be great if it didn't come to dark places. And so that, that's what God does for you and I. And so as we celebrate um, communion today, um, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're struggling with in your life today. But I want you to know what we see in these emblems today is what God brought to us through his son, Jesus. That God says, listen, I want to do this great work through your heart and through your life. And realize that everything I've provided for you, I've provided for you through my son, Jesus. And communion is a way to allow us to remember and to never forget what Jesus did for us. That yes, Jesus came as a baby. He came as Savior. He came in the form of man, fully God and fully man. But yet let us not forget that the completed work came through the cross and his resurrection. Because without the cross, we couldn't find forgiveness. Without the cross, there's, there couldn't be a substitute. He became our substitute for our sin. And so the precious blood of Christ cleanses us today. And so as we come before the Lord and we just thank Jesus for what he's done for us, I'm going to ask you just to invite Jesus into your situation, into your life. I want you to allow Jesus to cleanse you today. He's a perfect Savior. He cleanses us from all our yuckiness. And he heals us. That's why he came. He listen. Let's be real. God knows everything about us—the good, the bad, and the in the ugly. And guess what? He still loves us. He still died for us. And so he wants us to bring that darkness to him. Say, God, you know my mind, you know my heart, you know what I thought about the last week, you know my past. I bring that to you and God is faithful to cleanse us through the precious blood of his son, Jesus, and make you new again. Let the hope of Christ come into your darkness. Let's make it personal. God, you come in to my life. And to my heart. And I give this to you and I thank you that you're faithful to cleanse me. You know everything about me. Amen? Amen. Would you bow your hearts with me? Let's pray as we prepare our hearts for communion today. Father God, we, we just come before you today. And God, we just pray for your cleansing today. Lord, as we've talked about your promises and your promise to come into dark places, Lord, we pray that you would come into our lives God, each and every one of us in this place have regrets, have things that we're uh, not proud of. Lord, you know all of them, and you ask us to confess those to you. And so as we bow before you today, we confess our shortcomings, our sins to you, and we ask for your cleansing today. And as we partake of communion today, we remember that the body of Christ is our bread. It's our life-giving bread And we recognize the blood of Jesus that was shed. Without that shedding of blood, we could not find forgiveness for our sin. Jesus, you were perfect in every way, and you took the weight of our sin upon your shoulders to appease a holy, perfect God. And so we're recognizing, Jesus, that you're all we need. You're everything. Without you, we can't be healed. We can't be forgiven. We can't find peace, ultimate peace. We need you today, Jesus. So we invite you into our messiness today. We invite you in and take lordship over my life. And I just pray for those that are just in a dark place today. Lord, I pray that they would embrace you as Habakkuk did and they would never forget like Zechariah that the Lord remembers. Thank you for your faithfulness today and that Christmas is a constant reminder to us that God comes into dark places and that the light of the world has now come, and so Lord, just allow us to experience that today as we put our hope and our trust in You. In Jesus' wonderful name, we ask all these things. In Jesus' wonderful name, we ask all these things. Amen, amen. Let's thank the.